This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Glad you're joining us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about, <laughs> well, we, we were going to call it, has your homesteading been naughty or nice for this Christmas? But what we're really going to talk about is ethical homesteading versus unethical homesteading. <laughs> uh, we're going to look into the, the three ethics of permaculture, which is earth care, people care, and fair share. And we're just going to talk about what that is, how it looks practically, the practice of it, what what might look like your homestead might look like if you're not practicing ethical homesteading versus, you know, an ethical uh, an ethical form of homesteading. How you doing, Rachel? I'm doing pretty good. I think uh, that um, you know, like for me with this subject, it's not just about if we are, if we aren't, but ways to improve too. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we're always kind of improving on the subject and trying to strive to be a little bit more ethical. That's true. And and you know what I thought was ethical homesteading, you know, 7 or 8 years ago is different now. Like I've learned things. I've learned about some things that were bad that maybe I was doing or I've just, you know, I've just grown as a person and everybody's at a different um stage in their life yeah. and what they know. So that is going to look different, you know, for you right. now that it will for 10 years from now, maybe. So, yeah, we'll jump into a little bit of that uh, also. Uh, what did you do on your homestead this week? Anything uh, new? Uh, well, I've re- rested and recovered from last the last two weekends of um, butchering things. And um, yeah. But I did. We we went on a hike yesterday and checked trees at our property and um some deer plowed through my fence so oh, I have a no. fence to fix and so far I only saw one tree that you know got some deer damage mm-hmm. um, that they ate some hops off of but um and then made some summer sausage yes like the summer sausage do you yeah with venice well we made it I had um some pork from mangalitsa a pork from a friend's farm. And then mm-hmm. we had the venison. So yeah, makes a nice little mix. I actually like summer sausage better than jerky myself, but Me a lot of people too. really into the jerky. Yeah. My husband loves the jerky, but I yeah. like the summer sausage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You? Oh, you know, the greenhouse stuff. Uh, I've got that on autopilot. I mean, that thing is just, I'm not even going out there, but, uh, you know, well, I'll pop in for like a minute, throw some fish food in the water, you know, because the aquaponic system's in there and keep the fish fed. But other than that, I I haven't been going in there to do any work for every three or four days. You know, I'll go in there and pick a few things or whatever. It's just doing its thing. And now I do have some things in pots that I have to water. Um the lettuce uh, I have growing in pots and, but I just go in about every three days and ground it real good and then come back three days later. And, and I did actually harvest some of that and make a nice salad the other day, which was real nice. I was like, look at that. I got my first big old salad out of the greenhouse Yummy. in December. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Also, I made the the change in my, you know, I got that Berkey uh, filtration system and I made the change from Berkey filters. I was due for some new filters. And and I switched over to the Pro One filters. I think they used to be called uh, Pro Pure, Pro Pure, Pure yeah. yeah, something like that. Something like they that. changed them to Pro One. Um, now, Berkey has been in the, 
the news lately with some controversy. Uh, you know a little bit more about that than I do. I think they didn't, they haven't officially had any tests or something. Yeah, um, I don't know if they've officially, like there's been a lot of, there's been some complaints on and off for years. And I know people are big proponents of Berkey. Um, and and, just, and, and, and you know, aren't. full disclo- disclosure, I love mine. I've always loved it. Right, the yeah. water just tastes better. It's obviously better than drinking it straight from the oh, tap. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, so there's so, been some complaints for a while. And so I don't know if they've addressed the old complaints. And then now there has been some newer complaints. And um, so I, I don't know if they're addressing those. Hopefully they are. I think the complaints were about, I'm trying to remember the new I think it's their claims of what it removes because they've never had a yes. official testing. Yeah. But they make so. claims that it removes certain things, certain percentages of certain things when there's not even any right. kind of official, like the testing, I think has mostly been done in-house and there's and not I been any like third party. Correct, it might yeah. be, uh, there's more issues with the fluoride removal system than. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. With Berkey, they actually have another set separate. of filters. Yeah. It's yeah. a separate set of filters that removes fluoride. And now this is actually the main reason I switched Filters. Now, I decided a long time ago, almost a year ago, that I was going to switch. Actually, you convinced me of that <laughs> a long time ago that that the um, the Pro One filters were actually a little bit better of a filter than Berkey. Last and, I checked, I mean, I haven't. That yeah, I, I, I actually just checked right before I bought yeah. these, and it still looks like they're removing more contaminants. And they don't need the other set of filters. It right. removes the fluoride all in the one filter, yeah. and um, that right there sold it on me. They're a little cheaper. They don't. They they have to be replaced a little bit more often though. Yes. Um, and they're a little. Did you find that they were a little slower? So when I did research on I these, I mean, just put them in. So I don't know. Full disclosure: when I did research for these, I was actually doing research for a medical clinic, and okay. I had to present that information to the doctors there. And um, so it was pretty extensive research I did, but it was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I I no longer have the time to do that kind of research. And I had called companies and read white papers and gotten all sorts of information. And it wasn't that Berkey's a bad company. Um, I like, you know, like you said, it's better than just drinking the water out of your faucet. But I thought that Proper, in my opinion, and it still is, was just a little bit better. Yeah, and I so, think that um, I actually linked to an article in the show notes if you want to go read a little bit more extensive on a comparison. Um, yeah. And even the article is really the I think the article's very um they don't really favor one or the other. And in the end, they even say they're both great filters. Mm-hmm. Yep. And either way you go is great. They I think they leaned a little bit more on the filter side, um, that that um the filters for Pro One were a little bit better, but they actually end up saying in there if you have the actual um like i have the uh stainless steel system uh they actually say that berkey actually makes a little bit better actually container than, oh, okay. than the, than the pro one so which is which is nice because i actually have the berkey you know uh, stainless steel uh, big berkey right. container and uh, you can actually put either filter in one they're they're universal they'll fit in either yeah. one so that i put the it. pro one filters in there so when we got them at the medical clinic one of the things the one of the biggest complaints was is they were slow yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty much that way with all gravity. Yeah. I, and I don't really care. I keep it full yeah. all the time. I'm, I, and my routine is I just get up and I dump a gallon of water in it just about every morning or, or more. Yeah. As soon as it goes down a little bit, I fill it up. We usually fill it once or twice a day. We use a lot of water out of it, a lot of water. <laughs> well, I mean, you do use it. It's when you start filtering water or when you start toting water, like for camping and stuff like that, you realize just how much you use. I mean, for, yeah for cooking cooking for, yeah yeah just yeah, drinking i mean i just drink a lot of water so yeah. make coffee with it i mean i use it for everything um so yeah we use it a lot and i mean i've owned my berkey system for a few years and, and i can honestly say it was one of the best investments i've ever made as a homesteader i just felt like of all the and they are expensive you know they they cost yes. a lot of money and but yeah, it's never been money I've regretted spending. But that being said, I did change over to the Pro One filters because I think they are just a hair better. And uh, right. there is, I think and you the, are you are on city water, right? Yes. So I definitely have to have the fluoride filters on the Berkey system. So that was four filters I'd have to buy. I'd have to buy the two charcoal filters, the Berkey filters, and then I'd have to buy the two fluoride filters that screw underneath of it every time I change filters. With these um, Pro One filters, I just it's just two right. filters. So. I um, 
So we are not, but one of the things that we found for our area, and this is again, back to my previous job, um, was that our area, even the well water has quite a few contaminants because yes. we were a farm, yes. we were <clears throat> a farm area. And, um, which was eye-opening because a lot of people think that if you have well water, you don't necessarily. Oh yeah. Filter. There can be a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, I just kind of have become a proponent of filtering your water no matter yeah. where. No matter what. Yeah. No yeah. matter what. It's just, you know, it's one thing that we can do speaking of, you know, the ethics and stuff like that. It's one thing what you can do that's really not hugely time concerning and super simple to do is just filter our water to make our, our yeah. healthier. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. And and I I think you I actually find maybe we don't waste as much water either because we're yeah. wanting to use good water. Therefore, these things, I mean, it only holds a you know a couple gallons. I, I think it holds three gallons or something, whatever it is. Um, so you're trying to kind of use that and you know, you don't just flip the faucet on and let it run. You're actually getting it out of there and you know you got to replace that water in there and wait for it to drain through. So I actually find we're more mindful of like using the water for cooking and drinking and we don't just let the faucet run unnecessarily a lot too. So I mean, we we think about that. Uh, we just think about how much water we're using. Yeah, we I think we started doing that too. I mean, with us camping, we think about that mm-hmm. with garbage and with yeah. our with our yeah. water because where we camp is very rustic. We're not, we don't camp at like a campground and um, man, everything we haul in, we have to haul back out yep. and it does get your brain thinking. It makes you think about it. Yeah. This, there's a lot of waste here that I have to haul out or that's yep. a lot of water. So you don't run it as often to, you know, unless you have to. Right. Right. Yep. Well, on that, uh, we'll kind of jump into our topic here. Uh, ethical homesteading versus unethical homesteading or being naughty or nice you know we got to put that christmas twist on i mean we're releasing this the week of christmas so you know we kind of have to feel like i feel like we had to throw a little christmas twist on it there (laughs) um so i i kind of wanted to define what i what i feel like ethical homesteading and unethical homesteading is you could tell me if you agree with this or not or or you want to add anything to it um I think of ethical homesteading is a way that you're taking responsibility for the earth. You're taking responsible for responsibility for other people and you're giving thought to the future um, as an ethical homesteader. I just feel like when you're, if you're doing it in an ethical way, those things come to your mind. Would you right. add anything to that or think that it's appropriate or. I think I, I would agree. And I also, you know, like we said before, I also think it's a moving target, you know, as yeah. we grow, our ideas on that will grow and change. And and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, knowledge changes yeah. a lot of it. Like I've learned things now that I did for years. And I'm like, okay, there's a problem with that. You know, right. uh, we'll, we'll get exactly. into maybe some of that here in a few minutes, but now on unethical homesteading, it's kind of the opposite. You're, you're doing it in a way that that only gives thoughts to your own immediate desire with no thought for what kind of damage you're causing to the earth, how it affects others, uh, no concern for what's going to be available in the future for your kids, your grandkids, future generations, whatever. Um, that in my mind is unethical homesteading. And there is some of that that goes on mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll tell you, I think I grew up in that kind of a homestead and it wasn't intentional. I don't think. Right. But I just think that we didn't pay a lot of attention to that. My dad, when we dumped tons of chemicals on the driveway and sidewalks and mm-hmm. kill the weeds, he fed them grain that was no doubt soaked. And our animals were, uh, grain was soaked in whatever kind of, you know, glyphosate or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, feeding it to them. I would them. say that that's um, my in-laws where I learned homesteading from definitely did that as well. <clears throat> and um, I don't think it was because... You know, it wasn't purposeful for them. They were children of the depression. Yeah. And so they came out of work, the hard work and the drudgery of having a farm and homesteading to all these new modern improvements, which they yeah. thought were good. And now we've found. And and be honest, you just did it like your neighbors did it, too. I mean, everybody was doing yeah. it. And like we raised our animals in not the best living conditions. I mean, the hog lot looked like. What you'd mm-hmm. think a hog lot might look like, like a really no grass, yeah. pure yeah, mud, exactly. small, not enough room for them to really have any kind of quality of life, really. You know, things but weren't 
super clean all the time. I mean, it was just the way everybody was doing it, you know, back then. Uh, most people in our area, it seemed like everybody did it that way. You just kind of did it like they did it. Um, it, it just wasn't, you know, it didn't give thought to these things. And I would say it was unethical, even if it was unintentional. Yep. For sure. And, you know, and now we're realizing that maybe those good intentions weren't exactly the right way. And we're trying to correct that. And yeah. Cause yeah. the bigger concern was feeding your family. Yep. And again, it was your own immediate needs. You know, it's like, we just, I got this much property. We have this much money, have this kind of resources. We got to feed this family. And you made it happen. And I get that. I understand that. And you wanted to do it with as little input as possible, you know, and, and you make it happen. You know, they didn't understand things. Didn't, there wasn't, uh, I just think we have a, a, a bigger understanding of the impact these things have, uh, than what we had back then, you know, what people had back then. And some of it, I don't know. I mean, you, you, I think like you almost had to know some things were just wrong, like some living yeah. conditions for animals or whatever. And you just ignored it because it was accepted, you know, it was okay. Uh, and now we have a different thought about that. You know, a lot of people think differently about that. Um, it's not regarded as okay, you know, in some cases now. So, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, now we're realizing some of the more natural ways actually can be just as thrifty or more thrifty. Yeah. And, and yeah, better long term for sure. Uh, uh, you, I often think of it like this, you know, it's like you can invest money. It might cost you more to invest in now to do it the right way. Yeah. But, if you have to do it the wrong way year after year after year, now what I'm thinking about is like farming, for example, yeah. like it might be a big expense to feed your soil, get your soil to be a living soil early on. It, it might be a big investment and it might cost you a lot of money and time and work to, to get it in that shape. But year after year after year of chemicals after chemicals after chemical dumping on this property to try to keep crops growing in dead yeah. soil long-term will cost you more. Um, and it'll cost the planet a lot more. <laughs> to, yeah, and which, I think we're we're seeing that now. Yeah, and the hard part is turning that ship around. Is right, is, right. You know, yeah. we're turning the Titanic around here. For sure, yeah. Well, I think we should start by really defining the three ethics of permaculture, telling what they are, kind of giving them a slight definition of what they are, and kind of then we can maybe jump into what that kind of looks like. Um, the three ethics of permaculture are earth care, people care, and fair share. Now, people. The fair share one has some different names. Some people call it return of surplus to the earth and people. Some people just call it future care. But tr the original way it was worded was fair share. So we'll kind of look at those. Earth care, uh, it really includes all living and non-living things, mm -hmm. uh, such as the animals, the plants, trees, um, the land, the water, the air. Um, all the living and non-living systems are interconnected and and interdependent and when one is affected it's all affected so you know when when you think about earth care it's like if you if you let any part of that not be cared for or really uh be destroyed it affects it all because they're all tied together um if you take out the rainforest for example yeah. it affects the whole world you know right. if you pollute the oceans it affects everybody i mean it, it these things are all connected so we have to uh we have to you know, care for the earth that we have here. Uh, another one is yeah. people care. And now you and I have talked a lot about this, but that begins with, with self-care, with caring for ourselves. You know, uh, right. I think I heard the first time I heard it referred this way was by Ben Falk. He said, uh, zone zero, zero, <laughs> you, your, yeah. your own care for yourself, you know? Um, and it is where it begins because you can't take care of others unless you take care of yourself first. It's kind of like the, you know, the mask on the airplane thing, right? You always put your mask on before you help somebody else put theirs on. Because if you pass out, you can't help them put theirs on, right? So, you know, it's it's take care of yourself first. Um, but then we extend that to the next closest circle of people in our lives, our families, our neighbors, our local communities, and then the greater community, and then ultimately all people, all of humanity. And I think people care is very important aspect of homesteading. I just, you know, even if you're not thinking of it on the all of humanity scale, I think we all think about our neighbors, you know, and we can talk a little bit in a little bit about what that kind of looks like, the people care part. And then finally, fair share or return of surplus the earth or people 
uh, or future care rather. Um, and to put this one really simply, because you can get really into the weeds on this. If we take only our fair share, then there's enough for everybody and there will continue to be enough in the future also. And, um, this is also about regenerative practices, you know, not just taking a little so that little lasts a long time. It's actually making it so it regenerates itself and it continues to be there forever right. or even more so, you know, than what we have now. Um, giving back more than we take, which I, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Improving on, on yes. instead of just that sustainable of it keep being the same, it's improving on it. Yeah. Yeah. Now. That all sounds good from the airplane view. <laughs> okay. You're looking at it from like, okay, but what does that look like in a practical sense? What is it? What does an unethical homestead look like and an, and an ethical homestead look like? Uh, a homesteader that doesn't care about, say, earth care. What does that look like? Um, I think we see a lot of that. Uh, we see people, um, they might use chemicals just to get a bigger yield yeah. without any regard to the damage of the soil life or the water or the air pollution. That's a big one with me. Yeah. Uh, or like the bug population. Yeah. There you go. The life. That's a yeah, big just, one for me is we're just, we're killing bugs. And I, and for me too, I mean, like I said, we, we come full circle with this. We have used that before and now we realize that that, that chemical not just killed that bug, but created this domino effect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a farmer reach out to me. Oh, it's been a couple of years ago, I think. And he loved the podcast. I love the podcast, but I feel like you, you know, you're kind of hard on farmers, traditional farmers. And I'm like, and, and I was pretty blunt with him. I said, well, I, I'm not necessarily going to apologize for the truth. And the truth is the chemicals that are put down are causing a lot of problem. And, and he, he said, well, you know, I don't want to do it, but you know, we're looking for ways to do this. And I feel like maybe you're, you're being kind of hard on people who want, want out, but they can't get out. And I'm like, no, you're not the problem. Right. You want out, you're looking and it's, it's going to be a hard battle. You're going to have to do it slowly. You're going to have to just, I mean, you got to feed your family too. You know, you got to make a living. You can't lose your property. You, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow transition. Because you want to do it and you're taking steps to do it. That's great. I don't think you're the problem. You're going to, you're going to get that corrected at some point. Um, it's the people who think it's fine to think, oh, you could drink that stuff and it wouldn't hurt you. Right. Those are the problem. You know what I mean? The people that don't care if they're spraying it on a windy day and right. it's blowing all over your property. That Those are the problem. Um and there's plenty of those out there. Uh, so I'm not being hard on farmers. I just, right. there's a lot of it they don't know, or they just can't change right away quickly. And I understand that. And like you said, it's like turning the Titanic, you know, it's a, it's, it you, you got to have a lot of time. Yep. takes a lot of room. And I've heard Joel Salatin talk about that a lot. You know, he's a farmer we both respect. And I've heard him say that to farmers when they ask him, what do I do as a conventional farmer? He says, you do it slowly. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. One acre at a time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. And we, as a homesteader, we, we it's the same. That maybe a practice we were using wasn't the best practice. So we hit the reverse button and yeah. Yeah. Change one thing yep. today. And yep. if you can't change nothing else this year, change something else next year and mm -hmm. slowly do it if that's what it takes. Um, yeah. I mean, we can just take steps towards that. I mean, of course, we're getting on the other what a, what a, a, right. a ethical homesteader looks like. But th this is just one aspect of what I think when I think of what this looks like practically as an unethical homesteader it's not having any regard to what you're putting into the earth on the earth you know yep. and where it's going to go what kind of damage it's going to do and the problem it is and i don't hate you if you're using this stuff i just want you to understand <laughs> so you will make the right decision because maybe you just don't understand you know yet right yeah um, i mean and maybe you were raised kind of like how we you were talking with your family using yeah. some of those and i you know, hey. I was raised with using some of those and yeah. I mean, I grew up when we changed the oils in cars, we took the pan out there and dumped it on the driveway where the weeds were to kill the weeds. Okay. Right. You want to talk about bad for the environment, <laughs> bad for your own water on your property. I mean, horrible. We do things like that, you know, yep. and I didn't know any different when I became an adult. 
that's just yeah. where the old motor oil goes. You know, it took me a while to really understand the potential damage of that, you know, um, things like that. You know, I mean, yeah. we, you just got to you got to learn and grow and, and kind of understand. And yeah, and be, maybe be maybe I was lacking a little learning. common sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and we just have to we have to be open to learning, too, and open to realizing that a practice maybe wasn't the best practice. And, yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, you might also, as an unethical homesteader, use resources in abundance that support non-regenerative practices. Um, what I had in mind here when I thought about that was peat moss. Oh. Because okay. I was, I was uh, always somebody who used a lot of peat moss. I did And too. as I learned a lot about the peat bogs and the problems that is and how it's not regenerative at all. I mean, it is right. over thousands of years, but it's not right. quickly regenerative. And uh, we're definitely destroying those peat bogs faster than they're being created. And um, those are an important part of the planet. When, planet. when I was talking about food forests earlier, peat bogs are like that. We need the, the peat yes. bogs. And um, we're using a lot of peat moss, you know. And, you know, we did an episode, and I think, wow, well, you know, a lot of people like peat moss because it helps with their soil. And you can, especially when you're doing like um, seed starting, things like that. Well, we did an episode on, on leaf mold. Yeah. Here a while back, and you know what? Leaf mold is actually a great alternative to to peat moss. It really is it's free, and it's free, and something you can do right there on your own property. So, I mean, I'm saying there's there's alternatives to that. And I use peat moss for years, yes, and I wouldn't even say I still don't ever use it. I would use it without you know. It's just are you using it in abundance without any thought to the practice and what it's supporting. You know. Um, it's just things like that, you know, I mean, it, it, it just in a, or, or maybe you're supporting things. This will be more in the people care too, but we'll, we'll talk about that again in a minute because there is using resources that are go against people care also. But uh, yeah, as far as just using resources. Well, and even using, I mean, you can use lots of water too when. Yeah. Yeah. Over the overuse of water. We're, I mean, we're having a lot of places out west dry up mm -hmm. we're, we're in the midwest and we don't have as much of the issue although i had drought this year but um you know we can talk about that in a minute but there there's ways to be mindful of how much water you use and use less of it for sure but over but just using it with which complete disregard when yeah which permaculture has some great answers for that i mean some great yeah you know does. some ways to really preserve that water and, and make the best use of it for sure. Um, and also an unethical homesteader might raise animals in a way that causes poor health to the animals or poor living conditions to the animals. I mean, I talked about that. It's the way I grew up. We didn't think about it, you yeah. know, and I, I just think that's unethical now, you know, I, I used to not give a thought to it. Now I look at the, the way I raise an animal and I go, I want that animal to have the best life it can have. You know? Yeah, I didn't used to think about it either. And now, <clears throat> after volunteering at a ranch and helping at friends' farms that have um, regenerative farms, I realize just how, you know, the, the things that I learned. Well, if, you know, I used to live across the street at one point from a pig farm. Mm, and yeah. it smelled so bad. Yeah, we have a lot of well, chicken. Obviously, that is not a healthy living condition for those yeah. pigs. Yeah, we have a lot of big chicken operations, you know, in this yeah. these counties, surrounding counties and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's horrible. Just, I mean, you get within a few miles of those places, you start oh, yeah. smelling them. I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. horrible. It's, um, bad. it's bad. If you've ever driven by one, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, these are just a few of the things. I mean, there's probably a, 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 just an endless number of things that an unethical homesteader might I mean, it probably goes into the kitchen, into the household, yeah, into your garage. Yeah. I mean, it's just all aspects of your homestead. I mean, there's just all these things. These are just like off the top, obvious things of what an unethical homesteader, you know, might look like. You know, and when I say unethical homesteader, if you're doing none of these, any of these things, I'm not, Yeah, you know, like I said, it is unethical as you grow and learn. But if you don't know, you don't know, you know. Well, and I mean, I'm sure there's areas where both of us can grow and we're not oh, I guarantee you by any Means. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guarantee places, you there's things I'm yeah. doing that somebody else would go, that's unethical. And you're exactly. like, oh, well, teach me more about that. <laughs> Tell me, okay, right? what's my alternatives yeah. here? And exactly. I would want to know, you know, or want to know the degree of of uh, of what, how bad it is, you know. 
Um, cause I think there is in degrees too, you know, there's some things that might be unethical, but it's such a minor thing that it's, it's not going right. to like alter right. the future of the earth, you know, but you know, it, it, but some of these things do, I think again, putting chemicals on a field on, on your garden. Right. I, I mean, I think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous to the future of this planet, yeah. the water supplies, the air. I mean, it's just, it's causing so much harm. Well, um, and you and I have both had health problems, and it's our yeah, primary reason right. for for being here right now. And it's just, I believe it's a lot of our health problems are a lot of these chemicals and stuff yep. that we just use willy nilly. Yeah, I believe that too, for sure, yeah. for sure. Well, as a person who is focused on Earth care, as a homesteader who really thinks about those things, we our homestead might actually work to create healthy soil, right? We, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we're going to want to just feed our soil. We're going to put, you know, all the proper things, you know, we want to, we want good soil. We want it to, to be living, you know, we don't want to be spraying chemicals on it and killing it. Uh, we don't want to put anything on it. that's going to cause damage to the water supplies or the air. It's going to kill the insects or kill the weeds. We're looking to, you know, do things a little bit more manually, maybe, but the right way, you know, in a more ethical way. Um, and the more we build that soil, the less we're going to need to use water and yes. other resources. Yeah. Um, it, the more that soil is built, the more microbes, the more earthworms, the more everything we have in it, the plants can uptake nutrition more. So yeah. the less we need to add. Yeah. In the long run, it will be better. Yeah. All the way it around. It'll be better. I mean, the earth yeah. is amazing, has the amazing ability to regenerate yep. if we give it the opportunity. Yep. Yep. We might have to just take some steps to help it along in the early days because right. we've done yep. so much damage uh, that, yeah, we have to take some steps ourselves. I mean, honestly, if we step back, it would probably turn around all to itself, but we have to feed our families. We have to care for people, right? right? Um, so, I mean, we do need to be involved in it. We have to take from it, but we need to do that in a way that we're caring for the planet, caring for the earth, the soil and the trees and the plants and the, the bugs right. and the animals. And, I you mean, know, we, we need to do to that. The animals, I mean, there's no question that animals standing in their own feces or standing in mud lots, it's totally not healthy for them, for their feet, for their hooves, for right. viral load, mm -hmm. bacterial load, um, you know, so that's just one thing. I mean, I think one of the things we can do for that, if you have a small piece of property, I'm thinking like one of the things Joel does is with his carbonaceous diaper. You know, <laughs> so maybe you don't have a ton of property and you can't run your animals around 20 acres to keep them healthy, but you can grow in a smaller area and still do some things to promote health for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about the bees? I mean, you know, you're spraying chemicals and these bees are, I mean, there's a big issue with that. I mean, there's all kinds of people talking about that and studies out there about how the bees are disappearing and they're, a lot of it's being blamed on the, on the chemicals and, uh, right. you know, and, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of issues there as well, but I also think we need to be mindful of our use of limited resources and, and support companies that are mindful of this as well. Um, sure. Like there are a lot of companies out there that care about the future and we need to maybe find those companies and support mm -hmm. them. Sometimes it may even cost you a little bit more, but it's worth it. If you're thinking about, you know, the future, yeah. you know, uh, and caring for the earth, because there are a lot of companies that, you know, that, well, they all say <laughs> that they care about it, but you can actually see a lot of them doing things to, to, um, ensure right. the, the future's better than, than the past, you know, and, right. and we yeah. should go out of our way to support that. Yeah. That might be like um, healthier cleaners or mm -hmm. using less paper products or yep. switching to paper from styrofoam. I mean, yep. it can be so many, the little things add up too, not just these big, huge things mm -hmm. and supporting some of these companies that are trying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to do that. Making a healthier product for, for people yeah, and, and right. for the earth. And yeah. And, and it just, you know, they're going out of their way to, like I said, it may even not be as profitable for them to do that, but they feel like right. it's important and we should support them, you know, any chance we get. So when you run across, you know, products like that, I think it's a good idea to spend your hard earned money to support them. I mean, I think that's something we can do as an ethical homesteader. Yep. It is. 100%. For sure. Well, it takes us to people care. Now a homesteader that doesn't care about this, 
might only think of himself of themselves and and their wants and their needs without any regard for other people and i think that is the, the main problem you know so they take and they never give back um in other words they you know they it's all about them you know the food i grow i don't care about anybody else around me they don't want to participate in community and which means they don't want to be involved in you know in anything they're always just think, thinking about their own self-sufficiency and not helping anybody else but one thing i've discovered is that no man is an island <laughs> you know no, no person is an island and they cannot do this on their own so you put something in here in community and you're talking about Joel Salton what what was it uh, that he says well, I just said that just because you're, you know, not participating in community doesn't mean you have to be gone all the time. Um, Joel Salatin mentions that he was able to accomplish a lot because he was home, because he, it enabled him to save money and get more things done. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be out all the time in the community. It's just being helpful when you can, knowing it exists. I mean, we have great online communities, too, where we can assist yeah. each other. So yeah. Um, you know, I know we're all introverts here. I mean, I mean a, a lot, lot of homesteaders home are. <laughs> it's a pretty large proportion of us are quite introverted and we enjoy being home. Plus, we have a lot to do at home. But but so, honestly, that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with people care. I mean, right, that might yeah. have to do with, you know, involvement, but you yeah. know, you can still care for people um right. quietly. You don't have to make yeah. a big scene out of it or even, you know, be face to face with people a lot. You exactly. can give you don't have to, be to help, you can share. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've had my grandkids run, you know, a bag of produce down to some neighbors before, you know, or whatever yeah, exactly. you, you just share, you know, and, and it doesn't even mean that you have to give away all your, your stuff to people. It means that you make available, you know, you grow more than you need. You don't just throw it in the dumpster. You, you share right. it with, you can sell it. You can do things with it at an affordable, fair price. You can be fair about it. Something that gives right. it to you, but exactly. also gives to others. Um, and you just take care of people, you know, you, you, and you don't just share, um, your stuff. You can share your skills. You can share your, um, your, your knowledge with people. I mean, it's what we try to do here on this podcast. You know, we're trying to, you know, share what little bit we know with others. We try to bring on people who know more than us to share with other people about what they know. And, yeah. you know, it's a way of doing people care, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it gets into fair share also, and we'll talk about that there too. But I mean, it's also a form of people care for sure. But a homesteader who's focused on people care, you know, they're they're not just thinking of themselves. They're thinking of others. They're, you know, they're, um, they'll care for themselves and others and make decisions with others in mind. You know, yeah. uh, they, they, they don't want to just receive, they want to give back and they want to share those things. So I think that's all part of, of being a, a homesteader who is others minded, you know, somebody who cares about people care. You know, so I think it's important and it's ethical to care about other people, not just you and not just your family, but, you know, your neighbors. You know, I, I think of often about and this is a, it's a minor thing. This isn't even something that's going to change the world necessarily. But I mean, I've met homesteaders whose property is so bad and so run down that it actually drops the property value of their neighbors. Yeah. That's a problem. You know, that's not people care. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you got to think about your neighbors as well, you know? And if you can't, if you don't have the time to take care of your place, downsize your place. Right. To where you got time to take care of it properly. Well, and to be honest with you on that subject, that is actually one thing I'm doing this year here on our suburban property, because I don't, because I'm out at our urban property, our rural, mm -hmm. not urban, our rural property so much. Um, I'm actually dropping some of what I'm doing here because last year it was a little, it, it didn't look got good. away from me a little bit. It got away from me a little <laughs> it bit. Can. It can. Yeah. Look good. And I don't want to be, I want my neighbors to like what I, what I'm doing and I want it to be aesthetically pleasing and not that yeah. that's the whole purpose behind what I'm doing it, but I also don't want to be the blight of the. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Could, yeah. For sure. Yeah. It needs to look cared for and it needs to be cared for. And um, yeah. 
Yeah, so and I mean, I'm I'm guilty of this and working on it myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, yeah, I've been there too. Um, I've definitely cut back on things or changed things that I knew I couldn't take care of properly, so I, I set it up differently to where I could, you know, and it would right. still look good. Yeah. And not that I think I'm dropping down, uh, you know, the neighborhood property value or anything, but I've seen places that I have no doubt did affect right. the sell value of a home next to it because it looks so bad. And I just think as a person who cares about people, you can't do yeah. that. You know, yeah. and and you want them to think highly of homesteading and maybe do their yes. part. And they're not going to think very highly of it looking at your place if it looks like that. <laughs> That's all I know. Mine was Weedville last year. So yeah. Working on that. <laughs> yeah. It can happen real easy. Um, but anyway, that, you know, that's. What I think there's, again, uh, it could be a huge list of people care, mm-hmm. uh, things you can consider and people care on both sides of the fence. Um, fair share, or again, I like to think of it as future care because, yes, uh, there's a pie, right? Let's just say there's a pie. and You all get a little piece of the pie. But the thing is, that pie can get bigger every year. It can actually grow if we're practicing in yes. a regenerative yes. way. If we're making things better, the pie gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So you have one pie. Yeah. You can only take so much of that. And then the pie goes away eventually. That's why we have to not just think about sustainability, but regenerative practices. So um, keep increasing the size of that pie, but a homesteader that doesn't care about this, doesn't care how big the pie is. They want it all. They want to take it all. All they care about is larger yields, larger profits and success in their own life. Uh, They don't have any concern for future generations, what they're, what's going to be available for them. Uh, it's all about overconsumption and greed. And uh, this person doesn't care who they support with their money, as long as it benefits them here and now, no matter what the cost is to others. Right. I mean, that's an unethical homesteader. And you know what? They exist. I've met them. They're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're out there. Um, a homesteader focused on fair share might, you know, uh, responsibly take what is needed and and make the rest of it or more fairly available to others talk about that a minute ago with people care but it goes into your fair share as well they're going to financially support companies that also care about other people and what future generation and 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 uh, and what future generations are going to have available to them now to me that's huge because that's a huge thing nowadays with with ethical purchasing um especially when you start getting to slave labor and things like that what kind of clothing are you even purchasing? You know, who's making that clothing? What are they stealing from people or from the land of that area to make these things that you're buying? You There's a lot to consider in how you spend your money ethically because there's a lot of unethical practices going on around the world. Uh, there's yeah, these like slave shops, you know, where they're putting kids, you know, eight-year-olds in there making your stuff, you know, and, and working them 16 hours a day to to make the thing that, oh, I just got to have. There's a lot of that yeah. going on, I you know, and, a lot of that going on. and, and you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, now. I don't do my homework on every single purchase I make. I don't know, you know, and, and maybe I need, that's something, you know, I might need to look into and it may, there may be some changes coming into my life where I make, you know, I say, okay, I wasn't being ethical in that way. I need to change that, you know, because <clears throat> nothing speaks louder than the money you spend. You want to change yeah. something? If enough people spend their money in that way, it can change that. Yeah. It really can. You can speak with your wallet for sure. And it's something I think that as an ethical homesteader, you have to focus on that just a little bit. And you have to think about, okay, are they strip mining something? Are they doing this? And it's going to affect the future of this planet. And, you know, in other countries, mining is a huge thing that children do. I think it's, is it lithium that kids? Yeah. 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 So what are you? you... And some of this stuff is like impossible to avoid. I mean, I have a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. um, Yeah. But we can think about it as much as we can. And and chemicals that, and there's chemicals that go in things you're purchasing that, yeah, they're the way they're harvesting those things or the way they're making those things and using the people to, to, to have to be around that to do it. I mean, the way that the labor is getting done, are you going to support that? I mean, are are you unknowingly supporting supporting that? Like I probably am on many things. I, I have no doubts. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So I mean, it's something to consider. It's something to try to strive to be more ethical in, and I think it can have effects for the future. You know, the now and the future for sure. Um, can. Yeah. So uh-huh. I mean, we it's something we have to think about. But you know, this person who's an unethical person, they don't care who they support with their money. 
You know, right. this, it's all about the now and me. That's all it is, you know, and, and I want more and I want it now and I want to have everything I want, no matter what the cost is to others. And we cannot think like that as a people, I don't think, if we want any kind of a future for our planet or our people, you know, yeah, we have we to change that. The, we don't live in the day and age where we can't not think about that anymore, I don't think. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, an ethical homesteader, you know, uh, they want to take responsibility and um, uh, on that. And and they want to you know, make the rest, make make things available for other people. You know, we don't want to take our fair share, but we want there to be plenty for our neighbors or, you know, the other people on the planet now and in the future, I think a lot about what is the planet going to be like for my grandchildren. I think yeah. a lot about that, you know, and, uh, I, I want it to be worth, I want it to be a life that's worth living. You know, I want them to be able to have the things that make it a great life. And I think if you're messing up the planet really bad, <laughs> That's not going to be, right. a, it's going to cause a lot of problems in the future. And science is not going to fix those problems. I don't think. Right. No, a lot I of people are looking to I, science to fix those problems with, you I, know, some, yeah. you know, uh, synthetic whatever. No. I mean, I and I, I know that things have existed for, for decades and centuries, but, you know, that's the past. And now we know now better. So I yeah. believe we have to, we have to. Go on what we know is better now. We can't say, well, we did that in the past. And and, and to give it know, a, yeah. yeah. And on a more positive twist, we do know more things now. Exactly. And therefore, yeah. I actually am hopeful that things could be better in the future. Oh, I think they can. I, I mean, I, I've seen even my own yeah. property go from sand yep. to yeah. insanely productive because of regenerative practices. You know, it's why so, you and I get up at, you know, four in the morning to put some notes together to do a podcast because we're hopeful that if enough people are yes. are doing things, you know, the you know, again, it it don't take everybody doing it, but if enough people are doing right. it, you can change the outcome. Uh, we just need a lot of people to understand uh, doing that. You know, uh, our homesteading. We feel like it's important. We th I feel like a majority of people should be practicing some level of homesteading. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, ethical homesteading. <laughs> and I do think that I am hopeful. I, and that's part of my love of people and love of this earth that we have is to take care of it. And because I love people, I want to see them happy and thrive and, um, mm -hmm. and healthy. Yeah. And it's hard to be happy and healthy and thrive in an environment that we're destroying yeah, absolutely. And we know better now. So yeah. we can, you know, science has shown that some of these things were that we once thought were amazing aren't so great. And um and then we and we have better ways that actually some of it's not new, it's really old yeah. ways of doing things that we're learning were pretty decent practices. But we also have yeah. new things to help too. Like you yeah. you we were talking about earlier, you have your Berkey to help clean your water. Right. Well, that's a new technology. Um you know, we just, I liked how Bill Mollison said, use the word reinvestment mm -hmm. in one of his quotes. And I linked to the article that he talks about that was actually, somebody was interviewing him. But um, I just like that word. We're reinvesting in this planet that we're all on. Why don't you read the quote for us? <laughs> what? Was thinking, read the quote for us. Oh, well, the quote, it's a kind of in the middle of the quote is what I put down, but it said, okay. but permaculture is anti-political. There is no room for politicians or administrators or priests. And there are no laws either. The only ethics we obey are the care of the earth, care of people, and reinvestment in those ends. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to think. We have to think about this investment we're making for sure in the people, in in the land, in the earth, and what the result of that's going to be. I mean, right? Like I said, I wake up every day thinking. I, I admit, it, I think about the future for my grandkids. I just do. I mean, I'm like, I want them to have opportunities. I want them to have, you know, health. I want them to be able to go fishing and eat the fish out of that lake or, you know, breathe the air without some kind of a, you know, mask on or something that filters it for them. I just, you know, I, I care about things being good for them. 
And uh, I think it's going to take a lot of people making some big changes in their life to turn that around. But I, I wouldn't be getting up and doing this podcast if I didn't think it was possible. Oh yeah. I think we're seeing it happen. I think a lot of people are starting to, to do this. And I think that is, that is, um, that's just great. And I think that we can, just like we we've seen pieces of property be regenerated large scale. Even, I mean, we've all watched Jeff Lawton or, you know, in some of his, his work that he's done and, and some of Bill Mollison's work. And, um, but I think we're seeing it happen even on a smaller scale. And I think that, you know, our bodies have an amazing ability to heal and so does the earth. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of hope out there. This isn't a, all is lost, but it no. is a, we have to change yeah. some of our practices. Absolutely. And I, I, when you say we, I think of my own self. Like I said, I need yeah, to dive into some of these things a little bit deeper and do a, even a bigger part, you know, and, and play a bigger yeah. part in, in ethical homesteading and following the ethics of permaculture. Whether you're a, would you consider yourself a somebody who follows permaculture principles or anything like that? Right. I think the ethics work, whether you or a right. big permaculture person or, or not. Um, these are just ethics. I mean, these are just good and bad, you know, yeah. what's good for the planet, what's good for people, what's, you know, good for the future. You know, it's, it's not, I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, questionable thinking here. I mean, we're not saying anything that's got a big shock value or anything. Uh, it's just, you know, take care of what you want there to be for the future period. And yeah. <clears throat> and as we head into like the new year where people try to make changes or even the winter yes. where it's easier to make changes and organize and you're planning, you're planning time. your homestead for next year. You're yeah. planning your gardens. You're planning how you're going to do things. Take these things in consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Now is the time to learn and maybe make some changes and small changes in my opinion. It, and for me have always worked better than making massive changes, just small, steady progress. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, slowly over the years and decades, we have made small, steady progress on our own home and homestead. We still have a lot of places we can improve. So um, this and is kind of as much for me as it is for everybody else. I mean, we still have places we can improve. And you know what? Don't wake up tomorrow with the determination that I'm going to start doing it perfect from here on out, because that will probably wear on you and it won't get done. Take one step at a time. You know, every little thing you do, it will make a difference. And it's going to be really hard to just say, okay, from now on, I'm doing everything this way. And and my life has completely changed. And I'm going to tell you that will probably burn you out and make you not care as much. (laughs) Because I've done things like that, you know, in in the past. And and you'll find that you will scale back and adjust and... um, probably won't do as good as if you would have just took one thing at a time, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Slow and steady wins races. Yeah. That Aesop's fables, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. I the think rabbit, it's true. The rabbit Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. The tortoise in the hair. There we tortoise go. Tortoise in the hair. There you go. Yep. <laughs> well, we want you to be healthy. We want to be healthy. We want our grandchildren to be healthy. We want them to have a, a world they can live in that, that, uh, that they enjoy life and they have good health and, I think this is the answer. I really do. Some people look to science to fix everything, but I think it starts in your yard. (laughs) To be quite frank, it starts in your kitchen. It starts in your garden. It starts in your livestock pen. It -hmm. sounds too simple to be true. But I I think if enough people take those actions, that that's a world changer right there. So just start with yourself and You know, don't worry about your neighbor so much as yourself. Get yourself straightened out and then spread the truth and yeah. um, make a difference. I think that's, that's all we can do. I think some articles uh, that have some value or some things we linked to today. Um, I wanted to share. I wanted to share the Berkey or Pro One water filter article on why you might want to choose a Pro One or a Berkey. Either way, filter your water. Uh, I think it's good. Um, so I shared an article on that. Linked to an article on that. Um, I shared an article on permaculture ethics explained. Uh, we got into it a little bit, right. but it goes a lot deeper. Uh, this is oh, yeah. from Deep Green Permaculture, and it's an article they have on it. It's really good. It's it's worth the read. Go read it, and it really breaks down what it is, why it's important. Um, these ethics are important, so check that out. You shared the uh, the 
This was actually an interview with Bill Molson, right? It was an interview uh, with yeah. Bill Molson. So I shared the source of that quote. Um, it was actually a pretty good interview. And I. This is a written interview. Well, it's a transcript. Transcript of, of an interview. Uh, okay. An interview that I think he did on the radio. Okay. Okay. But I could not find the radio interview. I glanced at it. It looked really good. Yeah. It is. It's really good. And, um, you know, Bill Molson obviously has since passed away, but he's kind he's considered the father of permaculture basically so. boy i have gotten some emails for saying that before Woo. i know oh sorry well <laughs> no he he is had a huge impact well, on some of the philosophy and ideas yeah, well i would say he's yeah. the one that organized it in yeah, thought yeah. and put it in a book the the practices have been around for yes, they have. thousands of years they have uh he put it into a system in book form right. and said Here's the package. <laughs> so, right. uh, and he and is he considered the father of poster in that way. So, yeah, he actually yeah, kind of says yeah. that in the interview that um, it's been around forever. He just was observing and wrote it down. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, on that note, he's written some great, there's some great books out there. One is Introduction to Permaculture by Bill Molson. We have the link to that in the show notes where he just kind of lays out permaculture, talks about the ethics. He talks about the principles. He talks about what permaculture is, basically. Yeah. Um, but a more detailed book on the ethics and principles is David Holmgren's book called Permaculture Principles and Pathways Beyond Sustainability. I have both of these books, both really good books for just understanding kind of the philosophy of permaculture and the basics of what it is. And just great resources to have. Uh, the introduction of permaculture is a pretty salty price tag on that book. Yes, um, it is. The, the other one, <laughs> David Holmgren's a yet. little bit more <laughs> affordable. Yeah. yeah. If you want to even get the, the handbook, uh, the bigger book, the introduction is actually a smaller book. The actual handbook, uh, permaculture that one's really pricey actually yeah that's the one i keep checking out from the library yeah yeah it's really cost yeah, it costs a lot so there are some you know the other one's a little cheaper uh, both great books both worth having on your shelf especially if you wanted to get into the um the thinking behind behind permaculture right. really good source resources i think restoration agriculture we start getting into the more practical okay yeah, what does an ethical exactly. homestead look like exactly. restoration agriculture is a great book i think there's a bunch That's of great ones, one. but I think that one is. Now, one I recently bought was one bought, put out by the founders of Verge Permaculture, Rob Avis, his wife, Michelle, and Dakota Cohen wrote a book called Building Your Permaculture Property, A Five-Step Process to Design and Develop, and Develop Land. Now, that sounds like a – reading the title – I think the title of that book is a little bit misleading um, because it – when it's talking about the five steps, I'm thinking hands-on things, but it's more about the the thinking process of the five-step process. Okay. Um, so I feel like it's more on the philosophy side and the education side than the actual, like, when I first bought that book, I thought, oh, it's like practical things I'm going to get out here and do on my homestead. Right. And it's really a lot less of that. Which I think it's a great book. I just think the title kind of throws you off a little bit, what you might expect with that book. So I think it's still a great book, though. Um, and then you put one in also, a book. I link. did. I put um, Justin Rhodes' book, Rooted In. I feel like it's not extremely technical with permaculture, but Justin Rhodes definitely is a permaculturist. And um, it's. I would say that this is a really good, very beginner introduction mm -hmm. that's um, very, um, it's very simple and straightforward and I appreciate that. So I think it's really, a, place for it also that. Could be a really nice co coffee table book. It's, it's just beautiful. And, um, so I think that's a great book. If you're brand new to this, you're brand new to homesteading and you're trying to decide, you know, where to start mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. And um, then as far as products today, we didn't really mention a lot of products. I did mention the, uh, pro one gravity, uh, water filters, uh, if you're interested in that, if you have a Berkey and you're wanting to make the switch, I put the link into that. You can go check that out. Um, like I said, I have a water filtration system. Uh, I, right. If you have a Berkey, I think they're great. I think the Pro 1 might be a hair better. That's why I made the switch. But I think, you know, I just put that in there in case anybody's interested in knowing a little bit more about those. So other than that, that's all we got. Um, good stuff, I think. Like important stuff, you know. Maybe not... Uh, Sometimes when we talk about homesteading topics, we start thinking about things we can get out there and do in our gardens that are really enjoyable or things we can do with our animals that are, you know, like really going to feed our family. This is definitely 
more, like I said, airplane view type stuff, looking down, life adjustment things that are going to change the future of our planet, you know, might seem too big for us to even think about sometimes, but I just think it's the little things. It's a, it's a lot of people doing a lot of little things. They're going to change everything for the future of our planet and the future for our grandchildren. So I think it's important. And I think it's something we need to think about, you know, it we is. need to talk about. We do. We have to talk about it. It's the elephant and, kind of in the room a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So don't be naughty. Don't get on Santa's naughty list, folks. You better do this right because, you know, he's watching. <laughs> no presents for you. Oh, man. You rolled your eyes when I said I was going to put a Christmas twist on it last week. And you're like, okay. <laughs> now I'm rolling my eyes after saying so it out loud. Uh, we appreciate you joining us this week. And uh, until next uh, episode, uh, happy homesteading. God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. Fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores